by the gospel. Yes, indeed. We are to love our enemies and bless those who persecute us. That's a task that's very challenging for all of us. I know because, in fact, personally, I've struggled many times understanding that, in fact, I should love enemies and those who persecute me. The interesting part to me, and I'm going to start a little bit different than I did this morning at 8, the book of Joy, a summary of dialogues between Desmond Tutu, the Archbishop of South Africa, and the Delhi Lama. The intriguing part to me was they talked about this particular aspect of loving and caring for those who persecuted them. The Dalai Lama was moved from his country, had to move to India because of a war and an attack on him personally. And in the course of the dialogues, he talked about the fact that he had learned to pray for the Chinese army and infantry who were in fact assaulting the people that he was leaving behind. And he found that in praying for them, trying to understand where in fact they were in their own life and mission, taught him to be more tolerant and open to dialogue that could in fact be helpful for his people. Desmond Tutu, likewise, faced the challenge of apartheid boldly and up front. Yet in his prayer life, on a regular basis, he prayed for all of those who in fact supported the apartheid issue in South Africa, raising them up in his mind so that he in fact could understand that they had different opinions who were still people searching for faith in God. Two remarkable individuals. And as I read the book, I felt more and more depressed. For it's very difficult for us to stand and pray for those who are our enemies and for those blessing those who persecute us. And certainly this time in the current day and age, right now, calls for us to be courageous Christians praying for all people and recognizing all of those who we feel are enemies or who in fact threaten or persecute us need our prayers and our thanks. One of the elements in this morning's lessons which I'm going to go back to now, was the book of Ruth. Wilda Gaffney has this marvelous way of telling the stories of the Old Testament. And the book of Ruth speaks to a relationship of Naomi, who was married and 
had two sons. And one of his daughter-in-laws was Ruth. And over a course of some years, the men, the husband and two sons died. Leaving them without heritage, purposeful wealth, or a safe place to be. Naomi decided that she was going to return to Bethlehem, her hometown. And she talked to her daughter-in-laws and said, I want you to go back to your families that you know. I want you to have an opportunity to be remarried so that you might bear children. Because I have to go back to Bethlehem. One of the daughters, daughters-in-law, decided that she would go back to Moab. She would stay there and be there. However, Ruth decided that she was not going to stay and she would live with Naomi. In the biblical passage, it says that she will clutch Naomi, meaning that she will embrace and endure whatever happens to Naomi. There are many biblical stories about relationships between people and really deep relationships that have depth and really follow the character of relationship with people. Those stories particularly of Ruth, are an example for all of us. That Ruth persevered whatever she had to face with Naomi as they went back to Bethlehem. It was not her religious background. She was from a different culture. How should she be seen by those that they would return to? Knowing that her mother-in-law, in fact, was one of them, so she clung to her, she embraced her, and she worked diligently to make the events that they had transferred to healthy and wholesome for Naomi and herself. She was working in the fields of Boaz, and Boaz recognized her diligent love and depth of love for Naomi. He was awed by her not being, quote, of the Jewish background, but rather a person of enduring strength and love for Naomi. So we get the end of the chapter, the end of the Ruth book here, about when Boaz decides to restate the heritage of Naomi. And he actually marries Ruth. And Ruth bears a son, and the son is the grandfather of David. Ruth was a Moabite. 
And yet, he honored her for her relationship to Naomi. Today, we need to seek out and understand and recognize the relationships of depth and meaning that all of us have had over time. Some have had many of those relationships. In a sense, I decided, I guess, to limit myself to a few, although it's been expanded quite a bit over the years. Early on in school, I had a friend called Tubby. We were both catchers in Little League Baseball and competed against each other. And somehow, when we got into junior high school together, we became friends. It was interesting to me that I didn't depend on our relationship to hold on to him being my best friend. But rather, we were good friends, deep, personal friends. And yet, we had other friends and we would intermingle with all of those people that were our classmates, too. But when we got together, it was important. And as we went to college, he went to Cornell, and I was in the school in Ohio. We kept in touch. Now, Tubby had a great sense of humor. And when I wrote on the Baldwin Wallace stationery and sent him the letter, and I... He wrote back and said something about, please don't waste your money on that kind of stationery. I'm perfectly fine with whatever. As a matter of fact, he wrote the return letter on little leaves that you find in the toilet. <laughs> saying, this is the best I could find. We had that kind of relationship where we would pick, off, pick up where we left off. When we get together, it was like we hadn't been apart. It so warmed my heart. We had this ability also scared the daylights out of my first wife, Sandy, because when I talk about Tubby, he would call. <laughs> and the other thing was, I would get this panicky feeling, and one time I called about 11 o'clock at night, not his home where he was living in Illinois, but his home phone, I suddenly realized I did dial his parents' phone number. And I sort of panicked, went to hang it up, and I hear Tubby's voice, Skip, I've been needing to talk to you. That relationship was so critical, so important. I could hear my complaints, my anger, my issues, my loves, my hopes, my dreams. And we never had to worry about offending one another. It was all an open table. It was all accepted by both of us. Now the hard part was when he died. When I was in Pennsylvania, I remember going to his memorial service and his sister, who was a couple years older and I had a huge flirtation with for a period of time. She never knew that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> however, when we got together, she explained to me all these situations that Tubby had as his history. Number one, he would never fly into the Buffalo International Airport because 
he hated being rerouted to Rochester. So he'd always fly into Rochester first. He never was rerouted. His plane coming from Norway flew, was flying into Buffalo. And for some reason, of course, Buffalo had to reroute it to Rochester. So his casket came from Rochester. He also had said, I had told him that someday I'm going to have a child. If I have a child, I want you to be the godfather. Well, he died the day we found out. My wife was pregnant. When I talked to his sister on the phone, she said to me, Oh, Tommy would love to know that you're going to have a child. Then the hard part happened. I went to the memorial service, and afterwards they had a typical and wonderful Polish reception. And the interesting part to me was at the burial site, whenever he visited us in Batavia, New York, he always brought a red rose for Sandy and a piece of Polish kielbasa for me. <laughs> well, at the service, or at the dinner at the party at the of the restaurant, they serve kielbasa. Lots and lots of varieties of kielbasa. And as we were walking across from the burial site, a gentleman walked up to Sandy, handed her a red rose, and she said, now I'm spooked. relationship is the only thing that I knew at that time. But at the memorial service, I learned that everyone there had thought he was their best friend. And I got jealous. And I suddenly was aware that I was limiting myself to this depth of a relationship with just one person. And he had had the ability to do it over and over and over again. God's gift to me in the loss and the grieving was that I needed to become more open and have deeper relationships with people. And as a result of that relationship, I have been able to do that. Recently, a friend of mine that I've worked with for 32 years in college administration, Arnold Rollins, I've been for 32 years, and we too had this same kind of relationship, utter candor. Whenever he felt like he was going off the mark, he would call me and say, I need some help getting refocused. And he hit the nail right on the head of my problem. So we would work together to try to understand how we could look at things from a different point of view. He used to send me lists of books that he was reading that he was so excited about he had to share with me. I did the same. Unfortunately, I made a mistake. I sent one from the religious tradition, Paul Tillich, on, on being and becoming. And 
received from him after this episode where I suddenly realized my choice in reading was a little bit skewed toward his. He called and he said, Father. And I go, uh-oh. What's going on? He said, I lost a friend of mine. And he said, you know, I, I don't profess to have a great faith. I never have. I said, yeah, that's fine. And we talked at length about his struggle with a friend dying. And it was so important to me because in that conversation, we walked, we talked about things, and I suddenly realized that my phone call to Orhan and his name had gone on for about two and a half hours. We cleared the air, and we actually found a sense of us saying together that we would support one another through this grief. Now, I focus on just those two relationships, but I've had so many relationships, particularly here at St. John's, with so many of you, that have been deeply profound. And much like Ruth and Naomi, we need to foster these relationships with one another. We need to commit ourselves to opening our, the depth of our frustrations, our fears, our anger, our hostility, all of those things, plus our joys and hopes and expectations for other things. We need to be able to share those in a profound way so that, in fact, we find in our relationships the very gift that God has given us to be in love with one another. And it's being in those relationships that I think all of us begin to reach out to love our enemies and to bless those who persecute us because that's the task we take on when we've opened ourselves to the depth of relationships we have